is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the August 18th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, but we can call him Joey. What's up, buddy? Guys, we're back. It has been a sporadic last couple months, I feel like, between travel, uh, work commitments, I mean, everything, John, I feel like has been coming up. But we're finally back. We're back on Thursday night at 8 p.m. We have switched days a few times as well. Uh, but there's a big slate, John. There's a lot happening. Gamescom is next week. We have the Pokemon World Championship happening this week. QuakeCon is happening this week. We have a number of game announcements dropping. It feels like every day now. Uh, huge acquisition today as well. So there's a lot to cover on today's show. Yeah, I mean, the, the great news is, Joey, in the mass exodus of, of players that is Overwatch League, uh, you and I did not get traded or dropped. Uh, so, so we are still uh, uh, present uh, for Level Up, at least, for here at OTN. <laughs> so that, that is a good thing. Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. That is at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you are on Twitter, for all the spicy hot takes, follow Joey at Courtside King. And for all the sarcastic replies to Joey's hot takes, follow me at Fiasco. Uh, if you're watching here live on Twitch, first off, welcome. Uh, you can find those handles uh, below the mugshots you're currently staring at on your screens right now. If you're listening to the podcast version of the show later on down the road, they'll be in the show notes for you below. And Nation, speaking of podcasts, while yes, Twitch is the place to be for the live show, check out all the shenanigans live as they happen. Have no fear, the podcast version of the show is available. Just check out Level Up Podcast. Available on your podcatcher of choice. Bonus points, as always, earn our love and affection for all of eternity. Patreon.com slash OTN. Donate your hard-earned money to these two dweebs on your screen or in your earbuds right now. Patreon.com slash OTN. All right, Joey. Uh, what in the world are we talking about today? <laughs> Uh, John, what are we talking about today? I feel like there is quite a bit going on. Am I frozen, by the way? No, you're there. Okay, cool. You made this face, so I was like, oh, no, did I already freeze? I always make a, I always make a face. It's, it's uh, who I am. Well, i just making sure, just making sure uh, for those here live with us. Uh, but, yeah, John, there's a lot to talk about. Like we mentioned, the Pokemon World Championship is happening this weekend. We have QuakeCon happening as well. On top of that, Gamescom is just a couple days away. I think the opening night live show is Tuesday, if I remember correctly, the 23rd, if I have those days lined up right. Uh, so lots going on there. It's going to be a two-hour live show, 30-plus games shown. Uh, we have PlayStation launching their PC games website, which is also kind of a cool landmark for us to move forward for for PC gaming. Uh, we have a lot of cool little different, uh, I guess, partnerships in the works. Uh, some announced, some not announced as far as games go. Like Fortnite got Dragon Ball content this week. Multiversus has announced their next characters. So diving into some of that goodness, we have new teasers for new content. We have games being delayed. It feels like that's a constant every week nowadays. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot to cover esports and gaming, John. And I mean, going down the list would take us an hour in and of itself. Wow. Um, cool. That's a lot to talk about. It is quite a bit. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> Joey, we have our topics. Uh, you're a little blurry on the screen here, but hopefully by the time I ask the drink of choice here, you'll be back and ready to go here. Uh, before we can dive into those. Uh... All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our drink of choice. Joey, what is your beverage, please? I don't know. Am I freezing on your end? What's going on? Over here? Uh, you, you were freezing there just a, a little bit ago. Uh, my drink of choice. So I've been drinking alcohol the last couple of days, so I am oh. not drinking alcohol tonight. Uh, it is just water tonight. Trying to stay hydrated, even though my throat is kind of scratchy. 
Yeah. Um, I'm on the water train also. Uh, Painkillers and alcohol do not go together. Hey. Old, old football injury acting up here, so uh, that's going to be fun uh, here after the show. Cannot mix alcohol with painkillers and muscle relaxers. Anywho, but well, you know what we can mix with those painkillers and muscle relaxers, Joey. It is gaming and esports news. And this segment, of course, presented by Gamer Bites. Bite sized gaming and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today. Link is in the chat for everyone here on Twitch. Uh, that is Gamer Bites, the weekly esports and gaming newsletter. Joey, let's head into gaming and esports news. Let's go. Absolutely, John. We know they're coming, so let's get them out of the way now. The delays. Uh, it feels like every single week we've had new delays come out from AAA games to smaller indie games. It just feels like every single week some kind of new game is getting delayed. We had a big one last week that unfortunately we didn't record for. Hogwarts Legacy, that's one you and I are definitely looking forward to. It was delayed from what people were expecting to be late 2022, November, December. Uh, it got pushed to February 2023. So again, kind of a big bummer there and probably the biggest one on the list. Uh, but as far as new delays that have been announced this week, we have Deliver Us from or Deliver Us Mars. That one's being delayed from September to February 2023. We have Evil West. Again, this one being its second delay. Uh, initially delayed to September 2022. Now delayed a couple months more to November 2022. We have Planet of Lana, a highly anticipated indie game. Also dropping on Game Pass Day 1. That one's being delayed from its announced date of 2022, no specific month, to spring 2023. And then High on Life, uh, kind of a game that caught a lot of people's attention during the Xbox show this summer. Very trippy, very weird, but very high production quality from the look of things. That one's being delayed a couple months from October 2022 to December 2022. I think that gets the delays out of the way. Uh, I mean, of these, obviously Hogwarts Legacy is one that you and I are both very much looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to Planet of Lana as well. Uh, any of these surprise you or any of these that you're in particularly not really, I guess, either super stoked that they're delayed because that means more time for the game or kind of like, eh, I wasn't going to play it anyway. Uh, so I, I guess the one that's probably the most painful is obviously the Hogwarts Legacy just because it's been delayed before. Um, it, it, it sucks. And, you know, these developers are still coming out of pandemic mode. A lot of them are just now getting back into uh, in-office workplace environments again. So, I mean, it's going to be a while before we get back to normal. That's air quotes for those on the podcast, because who knows what normal is going to be going forward. Um, but, yeah, it, it it stinks because, you know, you know, Critic, you know, uh, critical analysis on the the creator of Harry Potter aside, Harry Potter is a worldwide phenomena that has uh, at least the millennial generation on on its hook. Uh, so, with a majority of gamers uh, still being in the millennial category, with Gen Z pulling up in the rear, um, that uh, that for the most part likes Harry Potter as well, as long as millennials don't try to make a personality out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. It's one of those things where it's like it, it, it's a game that there's just hype around. I mean, it's essentially a, a borderline MMORPG game where you get to play your version of your character in your uh, Hogwarts house, living your uh, Hogwarts fantasy in, in Harry Potter. And it's it's awesome. It sounds great. And I feel like a lot of people want that. There's not a lot of Harry Potter games out there. Uh, so th this is a really cool idea, and the fact that it's getting delayed again, I think, is a real big bummer. Um, you know, it's it it sucks. That one really hurts. 
Um, it doesn't hurt as much as the uh, remake of Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. uh, kind of being bumped around. Is it continuing to be remade? Is it not being remade? Has, has another studio picked up? Has another studio not picked it up? That one kind of hurt a little bit more just because of that nostalgia factor in there. But I, I would say Hogwarts Legacy is right up there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and I think the thing with Hogwarts Legacy, for me at least, with it being a big AAA game, we've seen AAAs falter over the last couple of years. Cyberpunk being the biggest example. It dropped supposedly amazing story, but so many players decided to pass on it because the graphics just weren't there at launch or the bugs were just too much to deal with. Uh, Halo Infinite, I think, is another great example. 20 million players at launch is huge, amazing. It had a really good, strong beta, and then it launched and just wasn't getting live service content. The team wasn't ready for the games fully to be launched. Uh, So I think looking at those two examples, and there's plenty throughout the industry over the last couple COVID-driven years, I want the game to launch and to do well. It's not live service, so at least it has that in its favor, but I don't want a game that's going to come out and Harry swings his wand and then the whole thing crashes every single time. Like, make it good, make the graphics look great to the level the dev team wants them to, make the gameplay good, clean it up, polish it so there's not as many bugs. Sure, there's still going to be bugs here and there. I mean, that's gaming for you. But you can definitely cut down on those if you extend that dev time. And I think Hogwarts Legacy, I mean, I want to say this was a fall 2021 release originally. So it's already been delayed a year now, an additional six months or so from its release. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's been pushed quite a bit, almost a year and a half in total. So hopefully by February, it will be ready to finally make its way out. I'm blaming the Hufflepuffs. It's okay. It's always the Hufflepuffs, man. They're just finding more dev time. That's the issue here, right? (laughs) Unbearable, those Hufflepuffs unbearable uh with that john let's dive into some other new content so again unfortunately these games being delayed but the flow of new content has continued to come uh first one on the radar first one rather uh is fortnite and dragon ball neither you or i is a big fortnite player but we can't deny how big that game is and continues to grow whether it's on mobile devices pc console it continues to pop off and revenue continues to pop off in player count and it's probably one of the best live service games out there You can argue on the competitive side, League of Legends and Valorant do very good. Same with CSGO. Um, But overall, when it comes to new innovative crossovers, nothing touches Fortnite. Uh, This one, we do have a trailer for those live with us here on stream. But overall, John, were you a big Dragon Ball fan growing up? Did you ever get into the Dragon Ball anime? I know you and I both dabble with anime here and there. I can never say I was the biggest Dragon Ball fan, though. Uh, Yeah, so I I, I watched Dragon Ball as as, as a wee little lad. Um, it, It was not my favorite by any means uh i understand the hype around it and i think it's great i think it's a legendary anime for sure and the crossover into fortnite is definitely smart on their part also um but i mean for me it's not going to get me to play fortnite anytime soon (laughs) so how do you feel about the kamehameha being introduced as kind of like a one-hit skill that can be done in game is it Um, a little broken or you feel like that fits with the crossover well enough just a little broken (laughs) just a little broken but hey i mean find me a Fortnite crossover that doesn't have something broken in it whether it's the introduction of airplanes in Fortnite, uh whether it's gen z complaining that build that there's a no build mode uh because 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 you you darn boomers don't know how to build don't you know hold us accountable for it uh yeah yeah so always broken yeah john's building is top tier guys if you guys want to check that out he'll have that on stream at some point um yeah fortnite it does a great job with crossovers do i think the ability is broken probably but can you have a dragon ball crossover without different abilities like that i think that's also hard so i'm glad they kind of incorporated all of that you have the iconic cloud in there obviously the dragon being involved too so a number of really cool things and then fortnite with the challenges also integrating the event quite well 
Next up in terms of new content dropping soon or has dropped at this point, Multiverses is adding DC's Black Adam. Uh, for those who don't know, that is the new movie that The Rock is starring in as far as DC heroes go. Uh, he's making his way to Multiverses as a playable character. And also, this one a little bit more off-kilter. We have Stripe from Gremlins uh, bringing fear to competitive fighters in Season 1 as well. Uh, John, will you be picking up Stripe from Gremlins? No. <laughs> Short answer, no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the... Uh, I haven't seen any teasers for both of these, but I feel like there would be kind of a cool ability if at one point you can get like a watering can and sprinkle water on Stripe. Like, if it's a co-op game, right? Like, this 2v2 is kind of the main format. Sprinkle some water on your Stripe partner. He gets extra strong for a limited amount of time. I don't know if that's a mechanic, but I think that would be a great mechanic. Uh, or is it... If it is water with them, right? Do I have the right thing? Gremlins? Or is that the don't feed after midnight one? I think it's don't feed after midnight. Okay. So I think there's other ways to involve this for sure. But um, yeah, I think it's cool. I think... It's one of those IPs that you don't expect to make its way into these crossovers, and I like that they are kind of diving deep into some of those newer or older, rather, IPs. Uh, next up, supposedly Beetlejuice and the Wicked Witch are also teased. I don't think these have been confirmed yet, um, but they are two that supposedly could make their way in as well. Again, Beetlejuice is one of those ones. It's an older IP, but it's kind of new making its way into a crossover event for games. Uh, the Wicked Witch, I think we have seen in some degree here or there. But overall, I love the idea of both of them coming into fighters. I'm curious to see what abilities they end up going with with both of these. Uh, John, with that creative mind of yours, give us an ability for each of these. Beetlejuice and Wicked Witch. Oh, God. Beetlejuice probably, like, his head spinning around, spitting stuff out of his mouth or some crap like that. <laughs> uh, and the Wicked Witch is going to come down in a bubble. Oh. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's kind of a little Glinda the Good Witch going on there. Yeah, but... You know, she was also a princess, you know, which came down in a bubble, Doug. Oh, my gosh. So there you have it, guys. DC's Black Adam and Stripe from Gremlins coming in season one of Multiverses. And then the potential leak of Beetlejuice and the Wicked Witch also rumored to come soon after. Uh, next up, John, it's a smaller game, uh, at least when it looks like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that is. And that is Grounded from Obsidian Entertainment. This is a big one. They're getting shared worlds. As of right now, if you're playing Grounded, John has a save file. John and I are playing together. I can't access that save file unless John loads up the game and we're playing together at the same time. Grounded with this new update is saying we can share that world between us. John can be the main host of it, but then I still have the ability to access that same world at any time uh, via the Microsoft Azure cloud. I think this is a huge quality of life change. When I look at these kind of creative uh, survival creativity style games like Grounded, like a Minecraft, like a Roblox, the biggest perk, in my, in my humble opinion at least, is the ability to access that world at any time. If you and I have a Minecraft server, you can build your house when you're available, and I can kind of do my thing when I'm available, and we can kind of do our own thing on the same server and kind of share that server together. Now with Grounded kind of going the same direction, we can do the same thing here. It's not just we have to play together in co-op. We can play separately, build up our bases or whatever, and then decide on a time that works for both of our schedules, hop on and play together as well. So I think for me, more than anything, it's a big quality of life change. Each player able to own up to three worlds at a time, as well as be a part of up to 50. I think this is just going to be huge for community building within that game. In other words, Joey just say, is saying, now I can finally play without having to convince John to hop on and play Grounded, is, is all <laughs> I'm hearing. And Joey, I think it's a very acceptable excuse for, for, for liking that update. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, right? Like, a number of people in the OTN community have tried to play Grounded, and now it's fully releasing in September, so I think more of us will dive back in. But it's always like, oh, who's available? Well, 
I have a podcast recording. I'm casting with ZG. I've got this tonight. I've got that tonight. And it's so hard to bring everyone together. With this now as an ability, it becomes a lot easier for that four-man group to kind of find time, whether it's with two people, with three people, with one person. It doesn't always rely on that one person having the save to be able to access the game for all the other three. Absolutely love it. Uh, great stuff there, John. With that, let's hop over to some other new teasers. We'll keep going through our new content before we dive into some of the bigger stuff. Modern Warfare 2 campaign early access. It is a thing. Uh, we've been talking about it on the Discord server for a while now. For those listening to the podcast, discord.me forward slash OTN to get access to that. Uh, we have a lot of gaming discussions on there. One in particular as of late has been this campaign Modern Warfare 2 discussion. Is it actually happening? There are teasers for it. We know in the past PlayStation had early access to a campaign. I think it was like Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remastered, if I remember correctly. Um, so it is something that's been done in the past, but not for a brand new release as opposed to like a remastered game. It does look like they are going that direction, but it's not locked behind a single console. Uh, a lot of people speculating this was going to be PlayStation only. I had heard PC was involved too. Now we have confirmation it is PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. So every launch console for Modern Warfare 2 will have access to the campaign early access, and it's kind of a pre-order perk. So if you're pre-ordering, I don't remember if it's a certain level or tier that has to be pre-ordered, but for those that want to jump into campaign early, it will be accessible on all platforms. Can you imagine if it was console exclusive and that console was Xbox? Sony would blow their ever-freaking lid. <laughs> Uh, and have an absolute freaking heart attack, and then go off and claim that, see, it's starting. Microsoft is making Call of Duty exclusive. That is my Sony voice, uh, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's a thing. The The voice that just got made there or the comment you made, uh, but I that voice, John, that needs to make a return here later on in some of these PlayStation sections. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think that's definitely one of the things there. Uh, I, did I freeze? Kind of got that You're look good. again. Okay. I just keep seeing that look. You're giving me that, like, you froze look, but apparently I'm not freezing tonight. It's making I'm, me anxious. Well, I mean, you, you are freezing a little bit here and there, but uh, it's nothing too crazy, and I was actually just loading up the next video. Oh, that's what I love guard. to hear. This next video I'm super excited for as well. Um, but just to wrap up Modern Warfare 2, yes, it's available everywhere. There were rumors for PlayStation. It seems that those are dispelled based on the announcements we've had so far. So it will be early access everywhere for those who want to jump into it. Again, I think it's pre-order based. Just double check that on your end as well to guarantee you can get access early. Next up is the Elder Scrolls Online. John, you are kind of our resident MMO player. I have done my due diligence and played a couple here and there for like a, maybe a month at most. Uh, you have definitely done a better job than I at sticking with them, and you have a lot more experience in that area. As someone from the outside looking in, ESO looks phenomenal to me. I really like a lot of the level design coming out of it. I don't know a ton about the depth of lore, but I feel like there's a lot there uh, between like Morrowind and Elder Scrolls. And uh, I, I mean, what was it? Obsidian, I think was one or I think it was Elder Scrolls Obsidian. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of them. Skyrim is the, obviously the most well-known in recent times. This new one takes Lost Depths DLC for ESO. Uh, I'm a big fan of the level design and I'm curious to get the thoughts of someone who's a little bit more involved in MMOs than I. Yeah, so it, it, look, it looks great. It looks fantastic. Here's my issue with MMORPGs and the reason why I think World of Warcraft does it right. The graphics on World of Warcraft aren't anything mind-blowing. They're not going to blow you away. Yes, like they'll have textures. The 3D models are great. Everything is, is, is fantastic, but it's not going to require you to have a 3080 uh, you know, graphics card to run it. 
Uh, some of the newer MMORPGs that are coming out with these graphically intense, uh, you know, 3D models, these levels and everything is going to require some stronger power in the PC for you to play. And and that does kind of limit the player base that you can go after. While, yes, again, it looks absolutely incredible. It looks absolutely beautiful. The problem is, is it's not going to be open to everyone. You can play World of Warcraft on a potato laptop from 2005 still to this day. And it'll still work. And you'll still get you know, a crap ton of frames. You'll be able to play everything. Everything will be fine. It'll be great. Um, will you be able to play ESO Lost Depths on a potato computer from 2005? Probably not. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it really is a give and take. I, I think it looks great. I think for Elder Scroll fans, they're going to be really happy with it. It looks fantastic. Um, but at the end of the day, that's kind of like my always my number one gripe uh, with some of the newer MMORPGs is that it's just so super graphically intense that it will actually limit the amount of people that can actually play. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I have no idea what those specs look like. Uh, with them being under Microsoft now, I wonder if there's some kind of cloud powering helping some of these become a little bit more accessible. I really don't know. That's just kind of me guessing, though. With that being said, based on what it looks like graphically, I think is definitely a big takeaway, as you mentioned. It looks very good graphically. I really like the level design of a lot of what they're showing. I'm also kind of a sucker for underwater stuff. So that also probably is a little bit of the pull here. But overall, I definitely like the look of the content. Also, shout out to the Viking Bear in the chat. Uh, I was saying Obsidian. I actually meant to say Oblivion, which he corrected me on. So big thanks over there. Um, but overall, John, again, I know you're already involved in WoW, especially. Has this ever been an MMO This kind of thought or tried to drag your attention, per se, a little bit? I know graphically it looks great. But again, any of these MMOs take a lot of time, for sure. So my issue is... <laughs> One, it's 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 going to be hard for me to quit World of Warcraft period in the story because I grew up playing the Warcraft RTS games. Uh, you know that story that Blizzard created, you know, in the '90s and early 2000s was just absolutely phenomenal. They did a, an, an insane job with it. Um, and then on top of it, you add StarCraft in there, and then boom, I'm a Blizzard fanboy. Uh, so it's going to be tough. I'm highly invested in the lore. I'm highly invested in the story, the the game, what I can do in the game, taking my characters throughout and exploring different areas and, and, and doing quests and learning new tidbits here and there of what's happened in Azeroth and so on and so forth. So it, it's a lot of dedication to jump to a new MMORPG. I mean, if you're there when it first launches, yeah, it's it's a little bit easier. But kind of diving in after it's already launched, if you're not there for day one, and you're already involved in another MMO, uh, it, it's tough. And then if, God forbid, you want to play both MMORPGs, I, I hope you don't have a life. Uh, because that's a lot of time you have to dedicate to MMORPGs. Uh, it's, it, it's tough. This one has not tempted me. Um, Final Fantasy has tempted me. Uh, Guild Wars got me for maybe two months. Uh, but at the end of the day, I usually always end up falling back. I know Star Wars, the Old Republic will tempt me every now and then. That's uh, kind of like my number two MMORPG right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, n nothing's really been able to, to swoon me away from, from World of Warcraft. Yeah, I remember you playing those two at the same time at one point. It was like a brief <laughs> overlap of like a week. And John's jumping from one daily to another daily set and then back and forth right after the podcast. Got to do my dailies. Got to get them in quick enough because it's so, so much bad. to keep up with two of them. It's just tough. 
On top of that, when new content gets added, like Star Wars had new content, it's kind of like, oh, wow, well, I can't do my dailies for you because I have all those new content to explore in Star Wars. And it's just, it is tough to keep up with more than one. Even keeping up with one is definitely a challenge. So if you guys are looking into it, again, ESO's Lost Steps DLC drops August 22nd. It looks phenomenal. There's a lot of depth of lore there if you guys want to drop in. Uh, but it is definitely a handful to take on an MMO. Definitely worth looking into that one as well, though. Joey, it's double XP right now for MLB The Show also. How am I supposed to fit all this into my, my gaming time? There you go, Come man. On. You can only swing so <laughs> many bats in that gaming time, so you got to get that double XP going. Speaking of double XP, I have no idea if this comes with double XP, but it sounds like a great transition. Pokemon Unite is getting a new map. This is the Thea. The, oh, wow. I don't know how to pronounce that. Thea? Thea? That one was a stump I did not expect. Uh, T-H-E-I-A, for those listening to the podcast, I think it's Thea or Thea, Thea uh, Skyruns. This one is dropping on September 2nd as a new map. On top of that, not only is it a pretty-looking new map with some nice sky imagery, but on top of that, it also has Rayquaza, the nice sky dragon Pokemon, also making its way into Pokemon Unite. Uh, it won't be a playable character, but it will be available on the map kind of as your bigger boss to take down and kind of pull in those extra orbs uh, as you continue to conquer your opponents on the map. Uh, overall, I think this looks good, John. I think Pokemon Unite has done a really good job. Uh, when it comes to live service games, what do you want? You want new characters, you want new maps, new weapons, depending on the game. One thing we've seen with Pokemon Unite is they just continue to pour out new characters, uh, in this case, Pokemon that are playable via licenses. Uh, you look at League of Legends, the most popular MOBA out there right now, one of the biggest reasons, and they don't have rotating maps, it's simply two maps, one for competitive, but they constantly release new champions that change the meta. Pokemon's doing that, but on top of that, also introducing these unique maps. While very similar overall, I think the new aesthetic definitely keeps things fresh as you go game to game. Honestly, it's quite surprising how they keep coming up with new characters. I think they're like over, it feels like they're over 2,000 characters now, and it's <laughs> absolutely nutty. Uh, but kudos to them. I mean, somehow they haven't run out of ideas or 3D models in that case. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see out of a live service game. You want to see those updates. Um, even if it's just cosmetic updates. I mean, like you said, League of Legends makes a killing just on skins alone. I mean, just out of my wallet alone, I should really say. <laughs> um, but other than that, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes to keep a game fresh and up to date. I mean, you, you maybe changing the meta every two weeks, maybe adding a new character here and there. Uh, a new game mode here and there, a limited time release game mode. Thank you, Riot, for all that crap. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Pokemon's doing it right here. I, I think it's a, a very solid game, and I think the content that's coming out is going to keep uh, players really engaged. Yeah, I think they're doing a good job. They just had their little like Pikachu mode where everyone played as Pikachu and all the like monsters on the map were Pikachus. Now you're coming here up against Rayquaza on this new Sky map. And on top of that, it's also making its debut in the Pokemon World Championship this week. So lots of good stuff going in favor of Unite. Again, that's kind of the uh, little partnership between Nintendo and Tencent. So two big powerhouses coming at it, both in Japan and China, with a big worldwide hit coming with Pokemon Unite. Next up in the new teasers is PC Game Pass, John. They have been changing their profile picture every single day for the past three days. It started out as kind of like a muddy, grassy hill in the background. Eventually, they added some rain. Then they kind of change the scenery a little bit more. Uh, from what people are kind of deviating from this is they think it's going to be Death Stranding making its way over to PC Game Pass. I think I'm right there with them. Someone pulled a screenshot within Death Stranding. It looks literally like the screenshot you pulled up on stream here for the Twitch viewers. Uh, just minus the PC Game Pass text, obviously. 
So overall, I think that is the teaser. Do I understand why they're teasing it this way? I have absolutely no idea. It's kind of a cool way to get people involved on Twitter. Sure, it gives you some extra clicks here and there. But overall, they already announced their last late August slate. Uh, they announced it on Tuesday in a blog post with some posts as well on socials. So I'm not sure why this one got held out, if there's some kind of special announcement with it. Uh, there is a rumor from Tom Henderson that it's getting announced tomorrow. Initially, my thought was maybe they're holding it for Gamescom as kind of like a special on-stage announcement next Tuesday. Um, but with it being announced tomorrow, I really don't understand the whole campaign behind this one because even profile pictures are really not pulling in that many clicks. Uh, at the same point, you do kind of get PC Game Pass trending with people sending retweets and things with the picture kind of screenshotted. So I don't 100% know. I like the idea of Death Stranding coming to Game Pass. It's one of those Kojima games or Kojima games, depending how you pronounce it, uh, that I have never really been super interested in. But at the same point, I love the idea of it becoming more accessible to more gamers, and I probably will give it a try in the end if it does end up coming to Game Pass. Let's just piss the Sony fanboys off, Joey. Let's say it's a <laughs> Call of Duty screenshot. Let's just say it's a Call of Duty uh, going Xbox exclusive. Yeah, let's go ahead and just stoke the fire here a little bit. Let's, let's, we'll just add a little little gasoline to it. Well, I mean, John, this absolute. does kind of piss them off. They technically own the Death Stranding IP. Like, that is a Sony IP that's owned by them. Uh, unfortunately, and most people don't realize this, is 505 Games has the publishing rights for PC. So that's probably how this is happening. But yeah, Sony fans on social media are not super happy about these teasers so far. Burn it down. <laughs> Burn it down. You heard it there from John first. Uh, speaking of PlayStation, let's talk about their shiny new website. Uh, we can pull this up for those on stream here as well. They just launched their PC games website. So again, we've been teasing it for, it feels like a couple years at this point. PlayStation has been making investments into PC. We now finally see it paying off. They have Horizon uh, Forbidden West is out there. I think that's the first one. No, Horizon Zero Dawn is the first one. That's available on PC. You've yeah, got a War here. available on PC. You have Uncharted also coming. The Legacy of Thieves collection, I believe that's later this month or next month. So a number of games, legendary PlayStation games, making their way from console to PC. Uh, I'm a big fan of this overall. I think it's going to be a good move for PlayStation. While a lot of the hardcore kind of console fanboys were not happy with this move, they don't want the games to go to PC because it kind of devalues their console and their mindset. Uh, I like the idea of it, and I think if more players play games, it's a good thing. I like the idea of more people enjoying games that others have enjoyed. It opens up more discussions. Uh, it brings in more money for the IP, which will make it better overall in the long run. Uh, I see very few benefits for it coming to PC, and I think Sony agrees because they have continued to move this direction now with this new website and more titles coming soon. I, you know, what blows my mind is PlayStation fanboys out there, look, how does this devalue your console? How does this make you a lesser gamer because Spider-Man is being released on PC? Well, John, it's because I went out and bought a PS5 so I could only play these games because they were only available on my console. Well, well, Joey, here's my thing. How many gamers have a next-gen console and a gaming PC? Uh, it, it's a small percentage. It, it, when, when it comes down to it, it's usually either or. There, there's not a lot of people that have both. Um we happen to fall into that small category that do have both. But on, you know, that being said, you know, it, it is a small percentage of people that in this case, you know, obviously, Joe, you have an Xbox. I have an Xbox. Uh, I had a PlayStation 4. That's where I played the original Spider-Man uh, title originally. It was a fantastic game. And if anything, as a fan of video games and more importantly, a fan of Spider-Man, 
I'm excited that more people outside of the Sony ecosystem will be able to experience this amazing game. Um, I, I honestly can't give it enough praise. The, the game is absolutely fantastic. If you love Spider-Man, if you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you are just looking for more superhero content, it is such a great game. And now if you have a gaming PC and you said, hey, look, at the end of the day, I want a computer that can not only play games and do what I need to do on a daily, you know, whether it's work on it or whether it's just goofing around social media, video editing, audio editing, whatever you have your computer to do, but you want to play video games on it also, this is a great chance to now dive into an amazing game like God of War, like Spider-Man. And I, I think it's absolutely great. Um, and if you are a PlayStation 5 owner that has a gaming PC also, congratulations. You can now play it uh, on a computer also. So now you have options. It's it's not devaluing you as a gamer or your console choice or anything else. Get over it. It's not about you. It's about the video game. It's about gamers. It's about people being able to have more access to amazing gaming titles that they may not have had access to previously. All right. And I think that's the biggest thing, accessibility. I mean, it means more gamers can enjoy it. More gamers can play it. They can. I mean, what do the developers make these games for? They don't make the games for just a couple people to play them. They want as many people as possible to pay, play them. Not only because they make more money that way, but because they enjoy the things they created. Whether they put time into the story, the lighting, the art design, whatever it may be, the developers are putting their time into these games so more people can play them. And something like this, and it makes it available on more platforms, makes that a lot easier for that to be done and for that game to be enjoyed by more Personally, I would love to get rid of exclusivity altogether. Uh, with that being said, I understand that it has its purpose. We've seen it with Nintendo, obviously. We've seen it again with Sony and Xbox. They all make first-party games exclusive for the most part. With that being said, I think all of them, minus Nintendo, are going to start putting more games on PC. It's a great platform. There's tons of gamers on it. Outside of mobile devices, it's the biggest platform. So I think we're going to continue to see more and more games on PC, uh, really all across the board. Even smaller devs that are kind of putting more time into console games will eventually expand over to PC more and more as well. So I think it's great. I think it's awesome that Sony's doing this. And I hope eventually we see these games come quicker. Uh, right now, again, Spider-Man, I mean, that released, what, John, five, six years ago, I feel like? It's been a bit. Yeah, it's been a minute. So, and God of War was 2018. That one just made its way over. So, a number of them finally making their way over. I think as we get closer, I don't know if they'll go straight day and date, at least for a little while. They'll probably wait till they sell more PS5 consoles. But eventually, I do think it's day and date console and PC launches. Look how amazing this looks. This image of Spider-Man swinging through the city, captured on PC. Looks absolutely fantastic. And the I'm PC version is going to have ray tracing as well. So Correct. I don't think yeah. the PlayStation... I don't even know if the PlayStation 5 version had ray tracing. I don't think so, but regardless, I mean, whether you play it on PlayStation 5 or you play it on PC, again, I cannot recommend this game enough. It is absolutely fantastic. And if you're a PC gamer, uh, I would almost say this is a must-buy. Yeah, and I think that's right up there. I mean, God of War, I think, is definitely high on the list Correct. as well. Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, really, anything PlayStation has released in the last couple of years, kind of of those epic IPs, uh, The Last of Us being another one, they just have some really good stuff over there. When Uncharted releases, I think that'll be worth looking into for PC gamers. Uh, again, I just love the idea. It's becoming more and more available to others. And I think that's one of the things we're going to continue to see more as the generation goes on. And I'm a super big fan of it. Next up, John, uh, I think it's time to hit some of these bigger topics. The first one on the list is going to be Gamescom. 
again, we started to talk about it at the top of the show. It's opening night live show is set for August 23rd. And Jeff Keeley is kind of the showman for the job once again, known for the Game Awards, known for Summer Game Fest. Uh, used to work with E3 as well at one point. Now kind of the big man over there in Cologne for the last couple of years uh, for Gamescom, the biggest gaming event in Europe as far as showcases go. This one is going to be a two-hour live show. I don't have the time, but I think it's mid-afternoon if I remember correctly. For 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, there you go. 2 p.m. Eastern for uh, us folks over here in North America. Uh, with that being said, it is going to be chocked full of content. Two hours for the full show, 30-plus games on stage. We do have a number of those that we can touch on today. Um, but overall, John, a scale from 1 to 10, how excited are you feeling for Gamescom so far? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 7. I'm going to you know, like give that. it an 8. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I'm going to split the difference. 7.5, if you will. 7.5, I like it. I'm kind of around a 6.57 right now. Uh, I feel like it follows E3 or follows, I guess, Summer Game Fest this year. And there's a lot of big hype around Summer Game Fest. That's where you kind of get a lot of the individual big showcases, like the Xbox Bethesda showcase. You usually have EA in there. Uh, PlayStation usually does something. Again, things have changed these last couple of years due to COVID. But overall, Gamescom has typically been a little bit smaller. With that being said, some of these games they do have, John, are some big ones. We have Sonic Frontiers from Sega coming. We have Goat Simulator 3. Yes, there was no Goat Simulator 2. They just skipped it because that's what those devs do. Uh, we have Return to Monkey Island making its way. High on Life, again, we saw its first reveal at the Xbox Bethesda Game Showcase in the summer. Now getting another look at that. Again, slightly delayed longer to December 2022. We have Hogwarts Legacy. Again, another game that was delayed, but we haven't seen it in quite a while, so it'll be nice to see some new footage of that. Uh, we have another space game, because Jeff liked those a lot during the summer. The Callisto Protocol making its appearance here. Uh, kind of like a Dead Space a remaster type of thing. Uh, taking that same general idea with a new setting. We have Dying Light 2's Bloody Ties DLC making its way. Uh, one that you're excited for here, Gotham Knights. It did go gold this week, so it will be making its October launch. A lot of people thinking that one could be delayed. Uh, we will be getting some new footage of that. The Outlast Trials, a little bit more of a horror game. And then the other one that's been confirmed is Unknown Worlds, the creators of Subnautica. They have a new sci-fi IP that's a turn-based strategy game that will also be making an appearance. So about 10-ish games confirmed so far uh, via Jeff. Are there any of these, John, I know Gotham Knights is one of them, that stand out to you as games you're kind of looking forward to the show? And then also, are there any other games that may be releasing later this year or early next year that you're hoping make the show as well? Goat Simulator 5. We're going to skip 4. And go to five also. Uh, Goat Simulator <laughs> 3 is going to be out for like a month. And then I'm expecting uh, the announcement of Goat Simulator 5. I like it. I like it. No. My, uh, actually, I don't so know what sound stupid. a goat makes. What sound does a goat make? I, did you not pay attention in preschool, Joey? Come I on, did no. not. Not well enough, apparently. <laughs> so, I mean, look, obviously Gotham Knights is big in my book. Uh, that's one I'm super excited for. Um, Yo, know, I'm... I'm going to keep an open mind here. I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, I don't want to judge it too harshly based upon this list that we have here. Uh, you know, we may have a couple surprises thrown in there. I hope there's a couple surprises in there. I hope Jeff Keighley cuts down on these space games because I'm not going to lie. I'm a little space gamed out at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm this one, I feel like I want to keep it a little bit lower on the expectations. I, I'm hyped for it. But I don't want to sit here and be like, I need it to be like, you know, E3 level of like awesomeness or anything like that. I'm just 
I'm, I'm here for the ride, Joey. I'm here for the ride. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing going into any of these shows really is kind of setting yeah. that bar of expectations a little bit lower. Allow yourself room to be surprised. I mean, it's two hours. <laughs> We're getting 30-plus games. We only know 10 so far from what he said. So there's a lot in here. I mean, Sonic Frontiers, open-world Sonic game. What does that look like? We've seen a little bit of footage, but what else are they going to show us here? We have a new IP from Subnautica, which was a huge game uh, from Unknown Worlds, the creator of that IP. Hogwarts Legacy, again, haven't seen footage in a while. How's it looking? Uh, are there some new wand cores out there that we might experience? Who knows? Uh, High on Life is another one I think is a cool game that kind of popped out of nowhere this summer. Like, what's new footage look like? And then you have, obviously, kind of the older games like Return to Monkey Island. Uh, I feel like the nice thing so far with what's been announced is there's a lot of variety. Uh, my biggest worry at coming out of that Summer Game Fest one, kind of like you said, not only space games, but space horror games. There were like five yeah. of them in there. So it's like, okay, give us something that's not space horror, preferably. Callisto Protocol making a return, fine. It releases in December. It makes sense. With that being said, we need something that's not space horror. And I feel like, at least from what's been announced so far, there's a good mix of indie and AAA that kind of moves itself away from that genre. So I'm kind of excited. Uh, a few unconfirmed but recently teased things that are not necessarily related to Gamescom, but that we can kind of maybe look at as possibilities. Uh, Toys for Bob kind of released this treat. Um, I think it was a screenshot, if I remember correctly, of different games that they have released over the last couple of years, kind of like looking back on the past. And then they have another spot, or I don't remember if I had a question mark, or if they're like, oh, but what about the 18th spot? Whatever it ended up being, it sounds like they're teasing a new game. What's the next big gaming event coming up? Gamescom. So I could definitely see a new Toys for Bob game coming out there. Uh, for those who don't know who they are, they did like Skylanders, uh, Spyro. They did a lot of Spyro games. People know Spyro, the little purple dragon. Um, so good stuff like that. I'm curious to see what they are got in the works because we do know they've been helping a lot with Call of Duty as of recently. So I don't know how much that studio has time to develop to other things. Uh, at the same point, we could have a Kojima experience too. Uh, Kojima always making appearances at Jeff's events. It feels like he comes on for interviews here and there. Uh, at the most recent one, I, I don't remember if it was the Xbox event or Jeff's event, but he came out and mentioned that he is working with Xbox on an IP. Could we see more of that come out here? I don't think so. I think this will be a horror game that he's working on, maybe as a PlayStation exclusive, if he does make an appearance at all, or it could just be stopping by saying, hi, he's a legend of the industry. So those are two things we've kind of seen teased throughout. Um, but again, John, are there any other games that you're looking forward to that you're hoping make its way here? I know you're a big fan of FIFA Ultimate Team. I don't think you'll see that in the show here. Um, but anything else that you're kind of waiting to look for? My name is not Panicking Pat, Joey. I am not <laughs> a ultimate team shill, if you will, uh, like some of those in the OTN Discord. Um, I mean, Return to Monkey Island sounds cool. Uh, you know, having Hogwarts Legacy in there, I mean, after knowing that it's delayed again, um, I really hope they show something to make me happy that it's delayed. I don't think you can, but anywho, uh, there's that. Um I mean, I, I kind of want to know if Kojima's going to show up. Is Kojima going to announce something there? I mean, that's always going to be kind of cool if there's an interview and he announces something that's a surprise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just think really like those those couple games and, and Kojima are just kind of like what I'm what I'm hanging my hat on for Gamescom. Okay, I'm going to throw one more out there. It, it supposedly has been in the works for a while, and that's the next Bioshock game, kind of codenamed Bioshock 4 per se. Uh, I'm super curious if we finally see that. We had the original Bioshock, came out to huge praise. Bioshock 2 did pretty well praise-wise as well, and Bioshock Infinite pulled in a lot of praise too. These are three games, while the back-end working process had its 
uh, struggles, per some books that came out from Jason Schreier. Uh, there was a lot of back-end issues that happened with these games when they launched. They were huge games, big successes for the industry, and kind of did things that a lot of other games had not done up to that point. With that being said, we don't really know too much about this next Bioshock game. Supposedly, it's in development. Uh, there's rumors that PlayStation paid a ton of money for console exclusivity for a year for the game, too. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I do believe the game is in development. I don't know any details past that. Uh, but it is one that I think we should see sooner than later. I thought it was going to be revealed last year. Then I thought it was going to make its way onto the E3 stage or the Summer Game Fest stage, rather. Uh, hopefully it makes it here in Gamescom. And if it doesn't, I think it has to hit at the Game Awards. Uh, it's one of those games that's been in development for a little too long not to see anything. So I think it should come out eventually, and it could be Gamescom where we eventually first see it. Keeping things moving, the next big topic on the slate is acquisitions, John. This is probably the biggest news of the week for those still here with us on the show. Embracer Group is monstrous. Uh, I mean, John, Embracer Group has been one of those things that we've kind of passed over here and there, mentioning them. They usually fall behind Tencent and a lot of Mindshare. You also have Microsoft making acquisitions, Sony making acquisitions. Tencent, again, being the big acquirer. But Embracer Group has definitely done some big moves in the last couple weeks. Uh, really, the last couple years, they've continued to invest in studios. They were in talks at one point with 125 different studios for acquisition. That is not a small number. On top of that, they have been acquiring people uh, from toy makers to movie rights makers. Uh, they did a big splash as far as movies go this week as well as game IP. Uh, they picked up Middle Earth. They picked up everything Middle Earth. Middle Earth Enterprises, per se, overlooks everything to do with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. We're talking movie rights, amusement park rights, TV show rights, book rights, uh, gaming rights, underwear rights, whatever you want to have. Everything Middle Earth falling under this category, John. I had to throw that one in there because why not? Uh, looking at Embracer Group, they're now up to 120-something internal dev studios. 120-some studios. Uh, you look at Microsoft, they just hit, I think it's like 23 or 24 before this acquisition of Activision Blizzard goes through. Sony, somewhere around that same number. 120. This is more than Sony, Microsoft, and Xbox, Nintendo, all of them combined for Embracer Group. Now, you can talk size. Obviously, Sony has big ones like Naughty Dog, Halo with 343. These are a lot of smaller studios, but they definitely add up. Some of those in recent acquisitions, they picked up Crystal Dynamics, the people behind Tomb Raider. Montreal Eidos. Uh, they picked up really all of Square Enix West, it feels like. Uh, on top of that, they picked up some other big studios, and they're in talks with some other big ones as well. Uh, this newest one, though, this one more IP-based, and I think it's big pulling in Lord of the Rings. Not only that, John, but Lord of the Rings at the same time that I believe it's Rings of Power is about to release from Amazon, the most expensive TV series ever made. Yeah, um, Joe, I'm not going to lie. When you said Lord of the Rings underwear, I immediately thought of Smeagol uh, in an <laughs> underwear ad, and it was the most disturbing thing I've ever pictured in my mind. Um, <laughs> Smeagol wants you to buy Hanes. Um, so oh, precious. <laughs> no, we're not saying that in an underwear ad, Joey. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there. Thanks for tuning in to Level Up. Uh, this is going to be our last show. Uh, so. Oh, my gosh. No. Uh, but yeah, what are your no, thoughts I, on this overall? I mean, Lord of the Rings, I don't know how big of a fan you are, but I think acquiring that IP, and again, especially acquiring that IP before this giant TV series launches, is huge. Yeah, it, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. I mean, they're going to reap the benefits of all of this now that they own the full IP to it. 
Uh, it's it's gonna be it's it's huge. I mean, there is a massive cult following following around Lord of the Rings, around the Hobbit. So I mean, it's it's not a lose. It's 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 not a lose lose. If anything, it's a massive win win. Uh, because any kind of Lord of the Rings Hobbit content you put out there, it's gonna sell. It's gonna sell absolutely crazy. Uh, so I think Embracer Group is onto something here. I, I think uh, they they paid a pretty penny for it. And they're going to reap the benefits of it. I, I I think it's a big win. Yeah, I think it's huge. And the way they're kind of talking about it, they almost want to make it into an MCU type of thing. So similar to what Disney's doing with Marvel and even with Star Wars, where they're releasing kind of shorter series, diving more into the lore behind everything. They mentioned a Gandalf series. They mentioned kind of spinoff games being involved. Uh, Lord of the Rings with a number of games already out there. Shadow of Mordor being one of the more recent successful ones. But the IP is huge, and there's so many different directions to go. And I mean, I mean, Tolkien wrote like it's something like 20 languages or something to make that book happen. And on top of that, there's tons of symbolism involved. There's so many cool things and so many different races and such to explore. So I'm curious to see what they end up with doing with it. Uh, on top of that, we were talking about MMOs earlier. I think at one point, Lord of the Rings had an MMO, and it's kind of fallen off. I could see them going the MMO route with the success we've seen from, I mean, WoW's had its success. Final Fantasy really popping off as a recent ESO, seeing a higher player count. You have more people going back to the Old Republic MMO. And on top of that, you have some other ones mixed in here and there that are also pulling success, like Lost Ark with its Western release. So I could see them doing some kind of MMO here pretty soon. Again, stuff like that takes time, but I could see it starting development here pretty soon. Um, but overall, I think there's a lot that can be done there, both on the video game side as well as beyond to TV and movies. Does Amazon get to make a season two? Now they got to talk to Embracer Group, depending on what that contract looks like. So there's a lot of different things involved there. On top of that, that wasn't the only one they acquired. Uh, they also picked up another of other companies, both game devs and beyond. Tripwire Interactive, maker of Killing Floor, um, Maneater is another one of the big shark game that released. I think it was last year. You have Limited Run Games. Uh, they're kind of the group that makes a lot of reruns of games that maybe never got a disc release or haven't had a disc release in years. So they kind of launch these new ones. They sometimes will throw comic books involved or limited time posters. Uh, maybe they'll do different cover art for the disc if it was a game that released before. So really cool stuff there. Uh, Tuxedo Labs, you have Sing Tricks. Uh, Sing Tricks involved in a lot of the different vocal games out there. Bitwave Games, Geotech. So John, they're, I mean, this is huge. Not only the Lord of the Rings stuff, but like six or seven other studios on top of that. And last but not least, they kind of end it with a little bit of a mystery, saying that they also acquired an undisclosed studio that creates multi-platform games for console and PC. And they go on to quote themselves saying, the purchase price for this undisclosed acquisition is in the range of being among either third or fourth largest of the transactions. Now, they don't really specify if they mean these seven transactions or if they mean the overall transactions of the group because they've made some big dollar deals. Uh, if we're talking overall transactions, this could be something as big as like a CD Projekt Red, uh, the makers of Cyberpunk and Witcher. Uh, if we're talking around that range, it could be Avalanche that makes like Just Cause uh, and those franchises. So I don't know if that's what we're looking at or if it's third or fourth within these groups. If that's the case, it probably is a smaller studio. And it could be a smaller studio that might have an announcement coming up at Gamescom. And that's kind of why they're waiting to tie it into that. Um, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Overall, I, again, Embracer getting very big over there. Tons of studios. Two or 120 internal studios. 220 games in development. And now with Lord of the Rings, they own over 850 IP licenses. Big stuff. Big, big stuff. 
Uh, speaking of big stuff, John, Activision Blizzard, you wrote an article about this recently in Gamer Bytes <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Uh, that, that We're continuing to watch that one move along as the FTC reviews it, as well as all the other countries' FTC equivalents in Brazil and New Zealand and Europe. And now, overall, we have the big man, your buddy, Warren Buffett, uh, continuing to buy up stock, thinking this move is going to go through. He just recently picked up 4.1 million shares of Activision Blizzard. John, if anything says confidence, I think that is one of the moves. I think if he's my buddy, he owes me some money for, for <laughs> friendship dues. Uh, I got college debt to pay off. Come on. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, good for Warren Buffett, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good sign. Anytime you see anyone that's heavily involved in investments uh, snatch up anything that's like $4.1 million uh, of Activision Blizzard uh, bef- you know, before an acquisition is approved, they know something we don't or they're projecting something that we don't know uh, is going to happen. And I, I think it's a good sign. Uh, I think as much as Sony continues to cry and whine about it, I don't think it's going to be enough to stop it from going through. I, th- I think it will get uh, to the finish line and it will cross the finish line. And I think Warren Buffett's about to make some serious money with that investment. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things at least that inspires confidence in me is how quickly the deal is moving so far. Uh, The fact that we're in August and a lot of these people still haven't requested additional documentation another time and a lot of these close at the end of September kind of means things are moving along or at least uh, they're slow in requesting new documentation. And Microsoft's been very quick at giving when requests do come out. So I I honestly think at first I was thinking this was not going to close until early 2023. But at this rate, we could see a close before Christmas holiday time of this year. Uh, But we'll have to keep an eye on it. Again, things can close as early as the end of September. But if anyone requests additional documents that gets bumped another couple months, I think it's like 60 or 90 days. So anything can happen. But I think we're in for maybe one more request window, and then they might be able to wrap this up by December. Moving on, new projects and studios. We do have Skybox Labs launching three new AAA dev studios. Uh, they're mainly known for helping out with live service games, Fallout 76. Uh, some call it live service. Some don't believe it's live service in Halo Infinite. Uh, a number of other games as well under Microsoft. They mentioned some Minecraft IP stuff that they're working with, I believe, for unannounced titles. Uh, they are a big one. Again, not too much information on that yet, so we'll keep an eye on Skybox Labs. But one thing we do have more information on, and that is a canceled game. Unfortunately, this one in development for two years, a partnership with Marvel, and now it sounds like it has met its end. Uh, Avalanche Studios, again, the maker of Just Cause, we just mentioned them recently. They were supposedly making an Iron Man game, John, and unfortunately, after two years of development, Iron Man's suit has run out of battery, and it will not be launching. Yeah, I love it. Supposedly over company politics, and no, it's not uh, red pill versus blue pill, MAGA hat versus non-MAGA hat. Uh Every major corporation has politics involved, and unfortunately, the gamers are the ones that suffer for it. Um, Something cool like an Iron Man game would have been amazing. I think a lot of people would have been really happy with it. Uh, And canceling it just makes the Marvel fan base mad at you. So congratulations. Now there's an entire developer that Marvel fans can go after and hate on. Uh, regardless, um, you know, it, it stinks at the end of the day. It, it sucks. It, it's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last time that's happened. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just sad to see that we don't get an Iron Man game that was two years in development. 
And I don't know if it'll be the end of one. I could see this IP being picked up again. I mean, Iron Man is such an iconic character for Marvel. Uh, personally, for those who played Anthem, while the game itself didn't have a ton of content, I felt like the flying mechanics were phenomenal. And I actually think they, if you take kind of those flying mechanics out from what Bioware made, I don't know if it's Bioware that has to make the game or if they can get sold off to another studio or EA rolls it wherever, but those flying mechanics would make for one hell of an Iron Man game, in my humble opinion. So hopefully we see this eventually pick back up, maybe from a different studio, maybe a different take on the IP. I don't know what the story was about in any way, um, but overall, at least um, I, I guess this would have been Iron Man Civil War if it came out based on the company politics going on here. Uh, but in the end, we will not be getting that one. It always sucks to see a game canceled, especially a game that's been in development uh, for two years. I mean, that is a definitely a lengthy amount of time, 24 months there, uh, unfortunately not making it out at least at this point. Also worth mentioning for this week, before we hop into a little bit of esports stuff and wrap up today's episode, Slime Rancher 2. Uh, I know Tater Tots in the OTN community has been awaiting a date anxiously. Uh, big fan of Slime Rancher 1, or Slime Rancher, rather. There was no number involved. Uh, it's a great title. I've heard good things. Never played it myself, but it does look like a fun time. Slime Rancher 2 now has a release date for those who want to dive back in and ranch some slimes. That is set for late September, I believe, 2022, or 22nd, 2022. And then Beacon Pines, also another game that has been teased for Game Pass, will be releasing that same day. So two new indie release dates coming out there. It's always good when we're getting all these delays coming out. I love the idea of us actually getting release dates that are soon for games as well that we've been highly anticipating. Next up, and we mentioned at the top of the show, the Pokemon World Championships kicked off today. John, I doubt you had any time to watch any, and neither did I, as we were both quite busy today on this Thursday. Um, but they are kicking off. You have the Pokemon trading card game, uh, that version playing out. You also have the Pokemon fighting game that, for some reason, I cannot remember the name of right off the top of my head, um, but that also being played out as an event. On top of that, we mentioned uh, quite a bit about this event last week, but we have two new games making their appearance at the World Championship this year as well. That is Pokemon Unite and Pokemon Go. Uh, both of those kind of making their new appearance here. Uh, Poke and Tourney, the Viking Bear coming through in the clutch. Uh, that's another fun one. If those like fighting games, the FGC community is big. Obviously Tekken, Guilty Gear, Street Fighter being huge titles. Pokemon has a pretty strong scene as well, and you will get to see some good action there. Uh, this tournament running August 18th through the 20th, if I remember correctly. Uh, pretty much throughout the weekend. It might be even the 21st through Sunday. Uh, but lots of great Pokemon action for those diving into it. On top of that, the hype for Scarlet and Violet continues to grow coming out in November. Uh, a number of other Pokemon announcements probably between this time and that as well. So Pokemon, John, I feel like it's... I don't know if it is, but if it isn't, it should be the most valuable IP in the world. I mean, between the anime, between the card game, between all the games that release on different Nintendo consoles, uh, mobile devices. Now you have Unite making money throughout the world as well from people buying costumes and licenses. Uh, I feel like just Pokemon is so big with endless potential. Yeah, um, Mario would like to have a word with you, sir. I think Pokemon um, is so much bigger. Here. Like, I mean, okay, like, just look at movies alone, right? Like, games, Pokemon's going to outsell because they release so much more often. But movies, I mean, you have that legendary Super Mario movie from back Stop in the it. day. But Stop Pokemon it. has released every single movie. has probably tripled what that thing did. I mean, it's not hard to do. That, that, that movie literally made, like, negative $50. Like, it was... Mario's big, um, but I think the yearly releases for Pokemon is what push yeah. it forward. That and the card game. I mean, so much money goes into yeah. that card game. So so if you are looking to watch something that is better than the Super Mario Bros. movie, there's five Pokemon streams you can tune in uh, during the World Championship. Uh, all on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Pokemon. 
Pokemon Go, Pokemon TCG, Pokemon Unite, and Pokemon Tournament. Uh, so five different streams you can tune in over the three-day period to get your Pokemon fix. Uh, Joey, I, I think I'll have some time over the weekend uh, to catch a little bit of these streams here and there. Uh, it's just very tough during the work week to convince my boss to let me put Pokemon on. Uh, but, but yeah, I'll have to catch some VODs there. But it's a super exciting time to be a Pokemon fan uh, as uh, Worlds Championship is rolling back around for them. I'm glad you all have some time to poke around in the schedule this weekend. Check out some streams here and there. Uh, I mean, you got to catch them all, right, guys? You got to catch all the stream action. Yeah, you're about to um, catch these fists. Is what oh, about to hey, do. yo. I'll throw you back in your Pokeball, sir. Um, but, yeah, so the mainstream, obviously, twitch.tv forward slash Pokemon is kind of going to jump around a little bit. Uh, that'll be the one kind of traveling between them. But if you're only interested in the TCG, then jump on that stream. If you're only interested in Pokemon Go, there'll be a stream for that as well, as John mentioned. So you can kind of hone your interest if you're only interested in certain types of Pokemon games. But if you're kind of open to everything, the main Pokemon stream is also an option as well. Again, Pokemon's huge. You got new games coming out in November. Uh, you just had Arceus come out earlier this year and broke records for, I believe, the Pokemon franchise, uh, as well as just Nintendo as far as sales for 2021. It did extremely well. Uh, on top of that, it's just going to continue to come out with more stuff. I think the new anime is launching here soon. Again, new games in November. Uh, Sword and Shield got some new content recently, too. So lots of good Pokemon action ahead. And for those interested in kind of the more esporty side of things, there will be lots of great action, as John said, the weekend ahead. Next up is QuakeCon. This one also on the schedule kicked off today. Uh, main focus is obviously Quake. It's in the name. It is a QuakeCon. So you're going to have a lot of different esports action for Quake as well as announcements coming out. But on top of that, it's kind of become a little bit of a Bethesda con as well. You had a, uh, I think it was a Redfall panel kick things off today. You had the ESO panel about the video that we showed earlier on stream uh, with the new ESO content. So lots of different Bethesda announcements coming out. Unfortunately, I don't think Starfield is making an appearance. And if it does, it's purely the trailer we already saw over the summer. Uh, but you will be getting more and more information throughout the weekend on not only Quake, but the other Bethesda titles as well. Uh, I do not like the schedule format on the website. We just pulled up here on Twitch. Uh, it's not the prettiest looking thing to look at. But as you can see, for those live with us and those listening, there's a lot of esports action. But on top of that, you do have those panels kind of mixed in as well. Uh, I would check out the Twitter handle if you're looking for the schedule. It's a lot easier to read the one on Twitter from what I'm seeing. But if you do want the full all-encompassing schedule, it is on their website here. And, John, what is the URL for that? Uh, crappy website at Bethesda.com. <laughs> uh, QuakeCon.Bethesda.net. You're welcome. QuakeCon.Bethesda.net. So if you guys want to check out that full schedule, uh, on top of that, we have Nixia on the Discord server, a big fan and player for Quake, hosts a number of tournaments regularly, uh, as well as I'm pretty sure a top-level player. I don't exactly remember where her player rank falls at this point for NA, uh, but God she's mode. definitely up there. So if you want to talk Quake and want to talk Quake with a pro, definitely talk to Nixia on the OTN Discord server. Uh, anything else for QuakeCon, John? I know you and I never really got too much into Quake, and we're both stoked for Starfield, unfortunately not really making an appearance at this event. Um, but overall, I think it's great. I wish it was in person for the fans of Quake and QuakeCon. Uh, unfortunately, all virtual event this year again, but I think next year it should return in person. Yeah. Got to love it. Uh, we're not going to go through this one for the sake of time, but Diablo 4 had a quarterly update drop. It's a lengthy blog post. Uh, there's a lot happening. I think the biggest thing the blog post goes over, at least from what I'm seeing on social media, is they're like, look, guys, there's going to be no microtransactions that allow players to get ahead of each other in the game. Anything like that will be cosmetic. Uh, Diablo 4 is also one of those things that's not like a super... 
I mean, I don't know if there's going to be battles now that I think about it, so I don't want to say there's not a bunch of PvP stuff, um, but it's one of those games that we saw Diablo Immortal come out, and we've all seen streams where someone pays a ton of money, thousands of dollars, and then just obliterates players that jump into PvP because they weren't able to afford to kind of keep up with the pay-to-win mentality. Uh, that will not be a thing in Diablo 4. So regardless of what the PvP ends up looking like, regardless of whatever the game ends up playing like, it will not be a pay-to-win situation, and they very much drove that home in the blog post. But if you guys want to check out more information on how that game is coming along, go ahead and check out that quarterly blog post as well. Uh, last but not least, in the gaming topic area, John, this is a big one. Disney is hosting its first game showcase, Disney and Marvel tying the ring together on this one, or tying the knot, rather, uh, bringing themselves together and scheduling this one for September 9th. Uh, we know certain things are going to be there, like Disney Dreamlight Valley is going to be there. That one was mentioned. Uh, there's going to be some Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga stuff mentioned as well. And they mentioned a couple other games, but overall they left it pretty vague as far as what else we'll be seeing. Uh, is there something in particular that you're hoping to see? That new Wolverine game that we saw tease? Maybe Spider-Man 2? Uh, maybe some new content for LEGO Star Wars? Like, I would love a Rogue One level, uh, especially to tie in for the re-release in theaters. I think that would be great timing. Um, but yeah, I think Disney has a lot in the works, and I think there's quite a few unreleased Marvel games that we could see pop up as well. Yeah, I, I think any additional Spider-Man content would be fantastic. I, I doubt that would happen. Um, I want to see them build upon the success that was LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. I want to see uh, not just a Rogue One level. I want to see uh, Andor uh, and uh, yeah. with the upcoming series. I want to see Andor levels be announced. Um, not, not necessarily dive into what's going to be in the levels, but just kind of tease that they're going to be coming uh, with the release of the new Disney Plus series. Uh, I want to see them build upon this, the success of the Obi-Wan series. Yes, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The haters can kiss my butt. I don't care. Um, I want to see them build upon that also. Uh, I, I, give me a full Darth Vader level where I go around slaughtering people in Legos. I'm completely cool with that, too. Uh, that's not going to happen. It's no, it's, but any children's uh, game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would love to see a Deadpool game. I think that would be absolutely freaking fantastic. Uh, get Disney outside of their their, their little PG thirteen box, uh, and and come out with a with a Deadpool game. Well, that's um, interesting too because that just was it this month or last month that we saw those going to Disney Plus. Last month, yeah, yeah. So they could be gearing up for something like that. Definitely a possibility. Give me some Deadpool. Uh, but other than that, you know, Joey, uh, much like you, I'm, I'm really hyped for this Disney like MMO kind of experience. So, you know, where, where we can dress Joey's avatar up in, in a nice little princess dress and everything. I think that'd be really fantastic. Wow. I don't know about that. I hope that does not get released. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, I do like the fact that they have clarified it's beyond Marvel with Star Wars or Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker <laughs> saga. I know I had to remember what order it went <laughs> in. Uh, with that one being announced, we know it is kind of branching beyond into other Disney IPs. So uh, hopefully it's not just character packs. I would be a little bummed if we just kind of get character packs from that. I hope it is actual new levels, new missions. Uh, with that being said, there's some other stuff too, like Indiana Jones. We know that game's in the work. We've only seen a screenshot so far. Very little has been said. Do we see something about Indiana Jones and that new game being made over at Machine Games? Uh, we've heard rumors of other Marvel games in development. There's a Daredevil game supposedly out there somewhere. Do we see that? Uh, Star Wars-wise, obviously we have Fallen Order, that's sequel to that one. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Do we see anything for that? We got a little bit of a look over in May at Star Wars Celebration. Is it time to show a little bit more? Is it too early? Uh, we know Ubisoft is making an open-world Star Wars game. That's been announced. Do we see more of that? 
Uh, Amy Henning and her studio is working on both the Star Wars game and a Marvel game. I think they've confirmed the Marvel game will be there. Marvel Snap, we now know that's in beta. Does it get its official release? So there's a lot of games, both announced, both in beta forms, both in alpha forms, and both unannounced that could be brought in from both Marvel, Star Wars, and again, Disney being as big as it is. You have the other stuff like Indiana Jones, obviously all the Disney Princess stuff. Uh, I've heard rumors of an Encanto game in the works. It's probably too early to see that one, Uh, nor do I have any idea how that would play. Uh, With that being said, there's a lot that they could dive into, and I'm not sure how long the showcase on September 9th is going to be. The, the Encanto game, Joey, will be like that one mobile game that you have to sing and hit the pitches and everything. I was going to say, if it's like a and sing-along game, I can't It even. is. And uh, then when you fail, it's like, oh, sorry, you talked about Bruno. And it like <laughs> fails you out or something. And like, like kicks you out of the house madrigal or whatever. I can't remember what it was. I think yeah, that was right. That was very good. Hey, we need to work on the accent, but overall, that was quite good. <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful here. <laughs> Muy bien. Gracias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our Spanish accents need some help. But with that being said, there should be some excitement. Regardless of what kind of Disney IP you're looking to dive into, there should be probably something of some sort for you on September 9th. Next up, John, let's just talk briefly about some of this eSports stuff. Gaming news has definitely been the bigger news this week. Uh, with that being said, there have been a couple bigger eSports things that have popped up, and we can just wrap on them quickly before we wrap up today's show. Uh, there's some doubt in the Overwatch League. There was a meeting supposedly that took place between the, uh, the higher-ups of the Overwatch League and a number of team owners. I believe every team owner was involved, uh, as well as some other personnel that were able to be invited in. That could have been general managers. That could have been coaches. I think it came down to the discretion of the teams of who was invited into those meetings. Uh, with that being said, it seems like some doubt has come out of them. Uh, Paris Eternal has made a number of roster moves. Today, the Washington Justice completed a number of their roster moves, uh, getting rid of some young talent like Mag, uh, some pop-off players like Happy, a DPS. So we've seen a number of teams outside of these two, those two kind of being the biggest move makers, uh, make moves in the Overwatch League to kind of cut down on cost of salary, cut down on their overall roster cost and really team cost in general, uh, kind of shedding some doubt in Overwatch League fans. What are your thoughts overall on what we've kind of seen take place in the Overwatch League? And as a fan, does this kind of instill a little bit less faith in you in the league? If you're a fan of Overwatch League, you need to panic. Uh, This is not a good sign. Um, You know, obviously, anytime a team fire sells their roster, uh, that's not good. But when multiple teams are doing, especially after a major meeting of the minds of the league, like reported happened, um, there's a lot to worry about. Yes, the pandemic didn't do anyone a favor, uh, whether it was IRL, whether it was traditional sports, whether it was esports. Yeah, esports popped off a little bit because you can play it remotely. You don't have to be in the same room as your opponent as your teammates, so you can quarantine a little bit more. You could stay safe during the pandemic. Uh, So it it picked up a little bit. But the problem was, was nobody was spending money. And that's very difficult. You're not going to buy merch because you're out of a job because of a pandemic. You're not going to buy frivolous things that you may not necessarily need when you're worrying about trying to feed your family or put food on the table or afford your next semester of college or a car payment or $5 a gallon gas, damn it. Uh, regardless, you know, there's so many other things that take priority over spending money on a product like Overwatch League. Not saying that that was the only issue here. Um, viewership. Viewership was going down. It still is going down. That's a hard sell for sponsors. 
You can't sit here and say, hey, if you pay, you know, we want to charge you X amount of money and we can guarantee you'll be seen by X amount of people. Uh, that's tough when you have declining viewership. Uh, and then you have the whole management of the game itself uh, and Overwatch 2. It's been an absolute nightmare, regardless of how many things they've done to try to save face. That is a recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Now, at least, compliments to the Washington Justice, they didn't fire or release any players over Twitter without telling them first, uh, New York Excelsior. Um, but, you know, it's, it's absolutely insane to think that this league and the potential it had when it was first announced being the first city-based, uh, non-sport-backed esport, uh, could have been it could have been massive, and it was massive. We saw home stands and how big they were, and how pe- how people were coming out to them, uh, you know, before the pandemic hit. I mean, in in twenty twenty, the Washington Justice were supposed to have like what seven, uh, but a split between the Anthem in DC and the brand new ESA uh, in Southeast DC. Um, and they, I think they got like what two off before the pandemic hit. Uh, it's, it's t- okay. Only five. Th- Thank you. Grant, uh, for, for the correction there. Grant, of course, look at that. Where we talk justice and Grant shows up. I absolutely love it. It's, it's like his, his ears were burning. Uh, so yeah, only five. So, you know, but the thing is, is that that hurt, it, it hurt the overwatch league and, and that hurt finances. There's a lot of uncertainty, and it's not just Overwatch League that has those uncertainties uh, with where the money is coming from. It, it's it's tough, and and you know as as a fan looking at teams kind of shed you know high contracts that pay a lot of money, especially after a, a, a meeting like is what rumored to have happened. Mm-hmm. It's you have to understand at the end of the day, it's a business. As a fan, yes, it sucks to see some great young talent. On a team that you like, get traded or get released or or whatever, uh, in in favor of players that may have a uh, cheaper contract option uh, to play. Again, we weren't in the meeting. Uh, we can't say what did or didn't happen, what was said or what wasn't said. But at the end of the day, seeing all these teams make these trades, make these releases uh, after these reports came out. It's 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 definitely red flags uh, for sure, and uh, you know again as a fan of the Overwatch League, I, it makes me nervous. It makes me very nervous for the future of this league with everything we've seen over the past several days. Right, and I mean they've been making bad decisions for a while. I mean just the holding of content for this promise of Overwatch Two, this Overwatch Two game that has felt like it's been delayed over and over because fans keep getting told it's coming, and then it just gets delayed and it gets delayed, and eventually we did get a release date of October this year. But it took years to get to that point. Years of promises, years of held content, maps not getting released, characters being held back. And what do gamers come to? I mean, it's a similar situation with Halo Infinite's in now, right? You have this live service game that's not getting any live service. You're getting bug fixes, you're getting patches, but you're not getting new characters, you're not getting new maps. You get little drip feeds here and there of new costumes. And it just wasn't interesting for players. So then you start losing players and your queue times get really long. And then players are like, do I want to sit in five-minute queues, 10-minute queues to play DPS? Nah, I'll go play Apex. I'll go play Fortnite. And you start losing players. And I think that's the biggest thing, the drip feeding of content or really no feeding of content that kind of hurt the game initially so badly. And then you look at some of the other deals they made. The YouTube deal, a lot of people criticize that. 
Twitch is where a lot of the big audiences are. You saw Mixer try to buy things away, and that didn't work out too well for them. YouTube obviously being bigger than Mixer, but a lot of people saying those rights deals, while they brought in a lot of money, cut a lot of the viewership. You look at production quality. They've lost so many talented casters, John. As two people who do a lot of casting in esports, uh, I mean, I look up to people that they've cut from that league. I mean, Monty and Doa were huge with that league. Uh, you've had a number of other casters, and we could list them all over and over, that even either had bad blood relationships with the league because they've been cut or their contracts weren't discussed in a timely manner. Uh, I mean, we just seen so much talent leave that league. Uh, on top of that, Jeff Kaplan was a huge voice of Overwatch. He didn't like the direction certain things were going with Overwatch 2, so he cut ties with Blizzard. And obviously, you know, all the other Blizzard stuff going on in the background between the uh, sexual harassment cases and all those lawsuits is another big factor. I mean, we could just list factor on factor on factor, but it feels like the league needs to find a way to find a new foundation and to kind of rebrand itself. Eventually, if we can see home stands come back, I think that's great. But do we need them to be city-based to begin with? Is that another issue? Would they be better off with London Spitfire being branded as Cloud9? Because Cloud9 in and of itself has a much bigger backing that you can kind of pull from your other fan bases. So I, I think that's another thing to look at. Maybe it should be eSport-branded orgs as opposed to city-based. Maybe they can be location city-based, but does the name itself need to be? So there's a lot of different things, and I feel like, honestly, we could probably have hour-long chats and bring Grant on as well about this. Um, yeah. But in the end, I think a lot of mistakes were made. And I do commend the justice while it sucks to see players leave. I like the way that they made sure those players found a home. Uh, a lot of the times in these situations, we see players just kind of dropped and left on their own. The justice struggled a lot these last couple of weeks to make those new homes available to get those trades to go through. Uh, we don't know, obviously, what any of the monetary deals look like, but the discussions definitely happened and they did make their way through. So. In the end, I commend him for that as much as it does suck to see a lot of these players that uh, you and I have even talked to and respected quite a bit uh, make their way to new teams. We'll continue to follow their careers from there. Uh, the rest of the season for Justice fans will be a little bit rough for sure, but I think that goes for everyone in the Overwatch League. Uh, talented roster or not, the league has definitely been uh, struggling in different ways, whether it be the stream, whether it be its approach to fans. I mean, uh, that's another thing I want to credit the justice with while we're here and while Grant is in chat as well. Uh, you look at teams that are actually doing things to help the league grow. It's the justice. And it drives me crazy that they and other teams who kind of make these teaser posts will get critiqued by the league for slightly being ahead of announcements or whatever when the league itself doesn't tease anything. Uh, there is only one company in the world that can do a cold drop, and that's Nintendo. I feel like everyone else who's tried to do a cold drop to bring up hype has absolutely fallen on shattered earth. And it feels like bringing these teasers, they're not saying what the schedule is. They're not saying that the beta is coming out today. They're just teasing the announcement of an announcement, which I think builds up hype. It builds up social media presence. And it's just a bummer to see the league kind of put teams like that down uh, in different organizations that try to help the league in the game overall uh, when they really need to embrace stuff like that overall. You know, it, 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 it's funny, um, and, and this is my personal opinion. Uh, Overwatch League has kind of cracked down a little bit on having a personality, it feels like. Um, you get rid of some casters that have unique, distinct personality uh, for what I feel like is, is kind of cheesy sophomore humor that doesn't really bring anything to the table than just, you know, off-brand dad jokes it kind of feels like from time to time watching some of those streams uh all of the good personalities have left um when you take a look at the teams there you when overwatch league first started there were funny posts left and right there were memes being made i mean 
What, what was it? Uh, I, I believe the Washington Justice are still undefeated against the Vancouver Titans, even back when the Titans were absolute juggernauts. Uh, and there was a joke that the Justice made uh, against the Titans because I think the Titans had this deal with McDonald's or something where uh, if they won, they got free fries or something in, in, in the uh, Vancouver area. Uh, but but there was a joke made like the justices were like oh there's n- no French fries in Vancouver tonight kind of thing, and it was funny. But we don't really see stuff like that anymore. We don't see you know other than the justice still doing that obviously, but you know other teams don't engage with that. The mayhem used to be big into doing stuff like that as well, and it just feels like that has even been cut back on. It almost feels like this identity that the Overwatch League started out with this. This uh, ability to connect with gamers and esports fans through the use of humor, through the use of memes and personalities to bring people into the community have just kind of fallen on deaf ears. And, and, and it kind of sucks because there is so much potential behind this league. And now it, I mean, we're literally watching it fall apart in front of our eyes. And it's 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 a little upsetting. Yeah, it's one of those things that, I mean, we're going to have that promise of Overwatch 2 that we've been waiting on for years, and eventually it will release in October. Is it enough, though? Has the beta, we saw it kind of launch off initially when it first came out. There were a lot of people, I think a lot of those were paid streamers pulling in people as well, though. So what does the actual player base look like? How many people that have kind of left Overwatch go back to play when Overwatch 2 releases in October? And I think it helps, like, being bought by Microsoft. There's going to be more funding, potentially, in that area. Um, But Microsoft, as well, they haven't really proven that they can hold a strong esports scene, either. I mean, you look at Halo. Everything was in Halo's favor. And now Halo Infinite has a dwindling player count. The viewership for esports events, while still high for Halo, is dwindling quite a bit, as well. So there's a number of things that need to be addressed for Microsoft in esports, too. And I just think, while them coming in brings a lot of money, brings a lot of... Uh, potential at the same point, there's a lot of unproven potential on that esports side too. So I don't know if that acquisition is going to answer that question either, at least for a little while. So come October, we'll see how the scene is looking. Uh, the Overwatch League will be wrapped up by then, but we'll get an idea of what that Overwatch 2 launch will look like and if that momentum can carry forward, if that live service aspect will once again be kind of resurrected. If not, it's going to be just as effective as an off tank in Overwatch 2. Uh, and it's. it's- <laughs> It's, I don't think it's going to be good. I really don't. I'm I'm starting to to lose all faith in the Overwatch scene being able to recover from from any of this. Uh, it's years and years in the making uh, up to this point, just from a game standpoint, and it's it's really starting to trickle over into the esports scene and really causing a lot of issues. Again, there's a ton of factors we touched on a lot of them, uh, but I agree with you, Joe. I feel like that could be a separate episode and all in itself. Um, but it's just it's it's tough to watch this league go the direction it's currently going. Right, and I think the Overwatch League is kind of the prime example. Halo's HCS is definitely up there as well. Yes. Um, but overall, I think this is a question esports has to answer. Outside of like League of Legends and somewhat Valorant, outside of really Riot Games led esports events, <laughs> right. uh, where is the money coming in? And I think that's a question a lot of different organizations are asking at this point. You have FaZe and 100 Thieves. They win things here and there, but they also do a lot of like street apparel. Uh, they make a lot of deals with rappers and musicians and athletes. And there's a lot of like hip type of streetwear stuff going on uh, as well for those orgs. But outside of that lifestyle branding, a lot of these orgs struggle to kind of find their ways of making money outside of sponsorships. And I think esports leagues as a whole also struggle with that. And that's something that, again, 
as you said, it kind of is a bigger topic that we can kind of dive into. But esports in general, I feel like, has a very big question to answer, kind of led by these Overwatch League uh, that cost a lot of money to franchise in and is not quite given that return to many of these orgs. You know, and... You know, again, uh, it'll be the last time I suck up here at a Grant and Washington Justice here in the chat real quick. <laughs> but, I mean, you mentioned it. The whole, like, gaming and, and lifestyle apparel kind of thing. That's another thing that Justice did incredibly well when they were looking for other ways, not just to connect with their fans, but kind of expand their reach. Uh, Joey, I feel like they had, like, a new clothing line uh, come out uh, every month. Whether it was a new jersey, whether it was to to celebrate the cherry blossoms here in the D.C. area, or or celebrate pride, or um, you know, I think they even had one that had like the metro map on it. Which, as much as I hate the metro, I thought it looked absolutely awesome. But you know, there were different ways that they were able not just to connect with the city and the fans, but also find different ways to pull revenue in. Uh, and again, not a lot of other Overwatch League teams were willing to do something like that. Um, so, I mean, sometimes you have to think outside the box and, you know, the justice were pulling out punches left and right, trying to find ways, uh, to, to connect with people and, and find more income to, to help their team out going forward. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's tough when it feels like the entire league is really resting on a paper house right now. Like it just feels like it could possibly collapse at any minute. You know, it's a little bit of a doomsday mentality, um, but that's just kind of what it, what it feels like. Imagine if all these teams were doing that, if all these teams were finding ways to connect with their city, to get their teams involved with the city and, and make that connection. Um, you know, so sometimes something small as a meet and greet goes a long way. I mean, Joe, you, you and I have had the honor to do a lot of Overwatch League stuff for the Justice, interact with the fans that came to the headquarters down there. They're dedicated fans. They're, they're dedicated fans. They love that team. They have that passion. They have that fire. And I don't think they would drive from all over the DMV area, from Pennsylvania, uh, from Delaware, uh, to come down to watch a, a best-of-five map series uh, for the Justice going up against the Mayhem if it wasn't for that extreme love and passion. So it's not that the love and passion from the fans isn't there. Uh, you just have to find a way to, to cultivate it, and, and that's what the Justice were trying to do. Um, and it's it, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's. A, it, I mean, a lot of it comes down to money, right? Like any of these leagues, you're making yeah. a giant investment in for franchising to begin with. On top of that, you're paying rosters, you're paying staff, and, and is the investment worth it? And I think that's the question a lot of these Overwatch League teams are asking right now. If the league itself is not showing a lot of promise, if it's not showing a straight pathway forward, and it kind of comes back to HCS as well. We just had the KC Pioneers. They were a team in a similar situation. They were making all these innovative moves. They made a partnership with the Kansas City Royals uh, for HCS Kansas City. Really cool, innovative partnership with a top MLB team. Uh, I don't know if I should say top, uh, but a well-known MLB team. And on top of that, they're kind of pushing the scene forward. They're making great content. They're making new ways of pulling in new fans. And they all comes down to they didn't get a partnership, which is fine. They're like, okay, it sucks. We think we should have had a partnership, but what is our pathway forward? And HCS was not able to give them a pathway forward. And while we don't know what happened behind the Overwatch League doors, it feels like it's a similar situation where the league itself doesn't have a clear-cut path forward. How do we make revenue? How do we improve the viewership? How do we make the game increase in player count? And it seems like there's ideas being thrown around, but they're not the greatest ideas and they're not the clearest cut ideas, uh, at least from what we have heard. So uh, going off of that, just kind of going off what we've heard from industry people around just esports in general, uh, this is a question inhibiting a lot of leagues right now. And it's one of those ones that I think a lot of orgs are going to continue to ask as we see esports move forward. 
Uh, with that being said, John, I think we're coming to the end of the show. We'll have to do a full Overwatch <laughs> League slash esports show at some point here in the near future. Um, but the last thing to look out for is LCS playoffs. LEC is going to take a week off as they prepare for their matches, but the LCS is jumping into playoff action this weekend. Uh, and I think it's eight teams that made it, if I remember correctly. I think they did like a monster playoff bracket this year. Yeah. So pretty much everyone making it into playoffs, getting their shot at those world's points. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the spring did not count for NA, correct? Like no points are carried over this year? The the spring split has not mattered in forever. Yeah, so like, spring split not mattering. Everyone, whether topic. you placed eighth place in summer or not, uh, you have your chance of making it to Worlds for NA to represent over there. Uh, hopefully to make it out of groups, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, that action kicks off this weekend. If you want to see some League of Legends eSport action. With that, John, I think we are good to wrap up today's show. Yeah, I'd make sure the Bluetooth was connected so I get the music going. <laughs> Simple as that. Oh, nation. That was the Overwatch League recap show. No, I'm joking. That's going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, head on over to patreon.com slash OTN and consider becoming a part of the Overtime Network. In return, you'll get access to exclusive content that nobody else in the world can get unless they are a part of OTN Media. If you have not done so already, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to our show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much. There are many ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely. If you like what you heard here or want to hear more, follow us on Twitter. Twitter at Level Up Live, LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Company at OTN Media on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a Twitch Prime sub over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show, Level Up Live, typically Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, John, I don't know if we're available next Thursday, so there might be a day or time change on that one. We'll keep you guys posted again. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can blame the fantasy football draft at FedEx Field for that one. Uh, Nation, make sure you tune in tentatively Thursday, September 1st. If we do have one next week on a different date and time, make sure you follow social media. Uh, we'll keep you updated there as well as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming esports news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Uh, or possibly in two weeks, we'll find out. Remember, be nice to your fellow, game, fellow gamers online. And as always, level, level up. up.